Brother, thank you so very much. Praise the Lord. Well, I reiterate what Pastor said. I love Bible prophecy. You should love Bible prophecy. You know why? It permeates at least one-fourth of the Word of God. That's a lot of prophecy. Amen? So we shouldn't just ignore it, not teach it, or preach it, for that matter. And I really get disturbed when I hear people say, well, just don't bother with it. Leave it where it belongs in the future. Let's just deal with the here and now. But that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things that are written therein, for the time is at hand. Do I have this too? Maybe I should just bring this down a little bit. What do you think? No, is that good? Where it is? Yeah? Okay, okay. So we should study Bible prophecy. Why it is our blessed hope. This world isn't my blessed hope. This government is not my blessed hope. This president or any president for that matter is not my blessed hope. Jesus Christ is my blessed hope. And that blessed hope comes from Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13, where Paul the Apostle said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we shall live what? Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Then he says, look in for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible does not tell me anywhere, Brother Tom, that I'm to look for the beast. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us anywhere to look for the Antichrist. Nowhere. But the Bible tells us in many areas of the New Testament to look for Jesus Christ because he is the promise of our blessed hope. I'm going to preach a message this morning that is not politically correct. But I don't want to be politically correct. I don't want to be politically incorrect. I just want to be biblically correct. Amen? Amen? Now that'll preach all day right there. And we're just going to look at the Word of God. You know, the late Dr. Jimmy DeYoung would always use this phrase, and I use it a lot. I, I got it from him. We look at the political because the political is set in the stage for the prophetic to be fulfilled. And Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 21 and verse 28, and I'm going to paraphrase before I actually quote the passage to you. When you see prophecy unfolding in its early stages, not fulfilled, unfolding in its early stages, you better look up. I'm about to come back. I'm about to call my bride out of this world. He said in Luke 21, 28, and when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. What redemption? The day of redemption in Ephesians chapter 4, 
in verse 30. The next main event that we call the rapture of the church. When I was speaking at Brother Robbie's memorial service uh, yesterday afternoon, I said one day when the rapture happens, all the born again dead in Christ, Brother John, Brother Robbie, all the born again dead in Christ, Brother Jim, all the born again dead in Christ will rise first. 60 further to go, but they go first. Then we, which are alive and remain, caught up. I love that word caught up. It comes from a, a, a Greek and a Latin word. The Greek is harpazo, to harpoon, to seize, to snatch away. The Latin is raptoro, to seize, snatch away. Where we get the English word rapture. The dead in Christ rise for us. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, the dead in Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And yet we are told to comfort one another with these words. Those are comforting words, Pastor. And these are the words that we should be encouraging one another with. That this world is not our final home. Listen, you're a pilgrim. You're a pilgrim. You are a pilgrim just passing through. So don't get cozy. <laughs> don't get comfy with the world, amen? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is about to call you out and take us to the Father's house. And when we get to heaven, we will be in heaven. Help me out for... <laughs> Chrissy was ready. A brief seven years while the earth below is going through a seven-year period of tribulation. Also called, if you were here for Sunday school, also called the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. But it's also called the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, or Jesus in Matthew 24, 21, describes it as great tribulation to come upon the unbelieving world. Listen, it has nothing to do with the church. Okay, the church may be the object of the wrath of Satan. Would you agree? And the church is maybe the object of the wrath of man. Would you agree? But the church is never the object of the wrath of God. And you will not find such wrath in the New Testament. Because if the church was a part of the wrath of God left on the earth to go through the tribulation period, then Paul would have never said, comfort one another. Think about it, right? He would have never said, comfort one another with these words. He would have probably said something like, Find the nearest cave and hide under a rock. That would exactly, thank you, sister. That wouldn't be any hope at all. She knows more theology than some of these prophecy teachers. That wouldn't be any blessed hope whatsoever. Jesus is our blessed hope. He could come even today. Even while I'm preaching, 
this message this morning. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, today, 2 Corinthians 6.2, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow just might be too late for you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. I mean, I, I look at the political every single day. My email box gets filled up with news from Israel, news from the European Union, news from the Middle East, news from around the world. And what I see, what I list on my Twitter account, all these late-breaking news stories, folks, I'm telling you, it's in lockstep with what the Word of God says. What the Jewish prophets and the Jewish apostles predicted will happen in the last days. That shofar, that trumpet, is about to sound. And we are about to blast off. So I'm going to talk about briefly this morning, and I hope you come back tonight. Because I want to take you on a journey tonight. We're going to journey from Gilgal to Jerusalem. Say, Gilgal, where's Gilgal in Israel? Why Gilgal? I was just there. I was at Gilgal. And I'm going to take you on this journey from Gilgal to Jerusalem. Tied all together with Bible prophecy. But this morning, I want to talk about the land of Israel, not Palestine. And I got to tell you something. I get irked upset, maybe a wee bit angry. <laughs> when I hear people refer to the Holy Land as Palestine, sometimes they do it out of ignorance and they mean no harm. Others say it purposely. You should never, ever refer to the land of Israel as Palestine. That's exactly what we're going to be um, talking about. Pray for my wife and I because a week from today I'll be preaching a, is it a four day or five day? I think it's, uh, we're going to be, I'll be preaching a four day Bible prophecy conference in Toledo, Ohio, a church. In, and I have, we haven't been to Ohio in like five years. I think the last time we were there was, I think, 2017. I'll be preaching at Faith uh, Baptist Church. Uh, they're flying us out there for this uh, four day a Bible Prophecy Conference. I will see all of our friends that we have not seen in Ohio for the longest time. But I'm looking forward to being with Pastor Tom Goodman and all the people that might be even watching right now at uh, Faith Baptist Church. We're looking forward to uh, being with all of them. So please um, keep that in prayer. And, you know, we would have been at that breakfast coming up on the what, September 3rd, is it? Oh, the September 5th there. But I got a call last minute from a pastor that just came to Israel with us in uh, March. He said, August, I need someone to cover for my pulpit in uh, Vermont. So can you come September 4th and uh, preach for us? So I said, yeah, we can, we can do that. So I'll be in uh, Vermont September 4th there. You know, you can go to my website, todayinbibleprophecy.org. You can look at my speaking schedule on there to see uh, where we're going to um, be next. Our prophecy tour to Israel is scheduled for September 14th through the 24th. That's less than three weeks away, and we still have seats open on this trip. If you've never been to Israel before, go at least once in your lifetime. Take it from somebody who's been there 30 times. I have never 
had a security issue there. I have never felt threatened over there. And I'm here to tell you right now, Israel is one of the safest places that any Christian can go to. People say, well, is it safe to go to Israel? And I always put it this way. Once I get you through New York City and safely on that plane, then I'll let you know it's safe to go to Israel. You know what's a dangerous place to be living in today? The United States of America has become a very, very dangerous place. I can walk the streets of Jerusalem 2 in the morning, never feel threatened. I can walk the streets of Tiberias near the shores of the Sea of Galilee, 1, 12 o'clock, never feel threatened. You think I'll do that here in America? Absolutely not. Dismiss from your mind the liberal media and dismiss people who have never been over there. I've been there 30 times. Next month will be my 31st trip to Israel. And I enjoy teaching tour groups, Bible prophecy on location in the land of Israel. So if you'd like to come with us next month or on a future trip, we have a spring tour 2023 going. See me at the end of the service. I'll tell you exactly uh, what you need to do. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 2. That's where we're going to be. Matthew, chapter 2. And our technical experts back there will be transitioning for us with the PowerPoint. <laughs> so, <laughs> Matthew, chapter number 2. We're going to look at verses 20. And 21. Ah, I love this. I love it. I love, I love it all. But Matthew chapter 2. And uh, we'll look at verse... Actually, let's start at verse 19. 19, 20, 21. Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2. 19, 20, and 21. Notice what the Word of God says. But when Herod was dead, talking about Herod the Great, even though he wasn't a great person, Herod the Great, but when Herod was dead... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Palestine. What does it say in your King James Bible? The land of Israel. For they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Palestine? No, the land of Israel. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you once again, Lord, not only for the precious word of God, which is our final authority, but thank you, Lord, for our salvation. Lord, I'm grateful that our salvation is sealed unto the day of redemption according to Ephesians 4.30. And I'm grateful, dear Lord, that we could never lose our salvation. And to say, Lord, that we could lose our salvation is to call you a liar. And Lord, we know, based on Titus 1.2, that in hopes of eternal life, in which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. So we're grateful, dear Lord, that our salvation is sealed. And that day of redemption... The rapture is so soon upon us. 
So, Father, briefly this morning, help me to preach this message. Keep me within the bounds of Scripture that we not go beyond those perimeters, Lord. The moment we do, we'll get into doctrinal trouble. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct me along the way. Give me the words that I need to say to not only challenge your people, but, Lord, to even challenge myself because I need a challenge, Lord. I need to be challenged by the authority of the Word of God. And if there is someone here this morning and they do not have the assurance of going to heaven when they die or they don't have the assurance that they'll go up in the rapture, I pray, Lord, before they even leave this building that they would settle that this morning. So, Father, thank you for what you're about to do now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and amen. I'm preaching this message for a specific reason. I was recently at a preacher's conference. And uh, there were some great messages, brother. Oh, the challenge was just amazing. It challenged my heart. But one preacher got up there. And the message was great. The substance was on target. But what bothered me, what was an obstacle throughout the whole message, is that this one particular preacher kept saying over and over and over and over, at least 20, 21 times. He kept on saying, Palestine, 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 Palestine. And the more he said it, the more irked I got. At the end of the service, another pastor came up to me. He said, August, I looked at you, and I could see the steam rolling off your ears, man. <laughs> That's what he said. I didn't, make, I didn't mention it, no names. He said, because I remember when you at my church earlier this year in January, you talked about that particular message. And now, he said, it was, it was an obstacle to me as well. The message was good. The substance was there. But he kept on saying over and over and over, Palestine, Palestine, Palestine. Folks, it is not Palestine. It is Israel. And believe me, I, I know this man. I know the preacher. He is a dear brother in the Lord. And I know he loves Israel. I know he loves the Jewish people. And the man is a soul winner. And I know that he's doctrinally straight. But he's ignorant on this one area when you refer to the land as Palestine. And when you do that, you are being politically correct and biblically corrupt. Go to the first slide, please. He is not accurate when referring to the land as Palestine. And I guarantee you, the majority of your Bibles right now, even my Bible, if you were to turn to the maps in the back of your Bible, the majority of your Bibles would say something like this. Palestine in the time of Christ. Or a map of Palestine in the time of Christ. If, the, if your Bible says Israel in the time of Christ, God bless you. And God bless those who put that map together. But the majority of your Bibles in the maps will probably say 
Palestine in the time of Christ. I have a good Bible commentary here, and it helps me a lot. But there are times when I look at these commentaries, even in my own Bible, and it would say, in the time of Palestine. So i got to get my ballpoint pen, and guess what i got to do? Whoop! Highlight it out. Blot it out, because I cannot stand that term. No such people, no such history, no such culture, no such language of a fabricated, mythical people. we got to be very careful. That term, map of Palestine or Palestine in the time of Christ, is not accurate. Even the good Bible commentaries are not accurate when they repeat over and over and over Palestine. And I have to get a pen and I have to blot all of that out. So again, when you say Palestine, you're being politically correct and biblically corrupt. Again, some say it out of ignorance, meaning no harm, but others say it purposely. Next slide, please. We read Matthew chapter 2. Verses 19, 20, and 21. But in verses 20 and 21, it says, Saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. If you're familiar with Hebrew, Evrit, you read Hebrew right to left, looking at the Hebrew Consonants right here. Aleph, Resh, Ion, Yod, Sheen, Resh, Aleph, Lamed. And it's Israel, the land of Israel. That is what you find, ladies and gentlemen, in your Bibles. Can I get an amen? amen. You find that phrase, Eretz Israel, land of Israel, in the Word of God. Immediately after the death of Herod the Great, Miriam, Mary, Joseph, Joseph, Yeshua, Jesus, they all come back to Eretz Israel. They come back to the land of Israel. It doesn't say the land of Palestine here, but it does say the land of Israel. Next slide, please. A look at Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse number 24 says this. Son of man. I love that phrase, son of man. Ben Adam in Hebrew. Jesus is also called Ben Adam, son of man, some 79 times in the New Testament. Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes of the land of Israel. And it's Israel. Speak, saying, Abraham was one, and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land is given for us, the Jews. For inheritance. So, Matthew 2, 20 and 21, Ezekiel 33, verse number 24 says, the land of Israel. So it is obvious from Scripture that the indigenous people of the land of Israel are indeed the Jewish people. Amen? The Bible is unambiguous when it comes to that fact. Next slide, please. A look at Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse number 19 says, and say unto the people of the land, the Jews, Am Israel in Hebrew, thus saith the Lord God, the inhabitants of Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, and of the 
Here it is again. Land of Israel. They shall eat their bread with carefulness and drink their water with astonishment that her land may be desolate from all that is therein because of the violence of all them that dwell therein. The people of the land, the Jewish people, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the Jewish people, and the land of Israel. So the Bible clearly, ladies and gentlemen, establishes that fact. In the Bible, God is called the God of Israel. He is not called the God of Palestine. So again, we must be careful. We need to be very careful and call it what God calls it in his word. Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. Next slide, please. We also become politically correct when we say West Bank. How many of you have heard that phrase, West Bank? You watch the news, West Bank. All the Jews need to get out of the West Bank. That's another term I hate, the West Bank. It's not the West Bank. Call it what God calls it in his word, Judea and Samaria. Do you remember Acts chapter 1, verse 8? But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Why do they coin it the West Bank? It's the country west of the Hashemite kingdom of Jordan. The state of Israel west of the Jordan River, Jordan east of the Jordan River. You can't see it on the map. The Sea of Galilee is up here to the north. The Jordan River flows. You can just see the southern tip of the Sea of Galilee going all the way down, and it empties into Yam Hamalak, the Dead Sea. Jordan is east, Israel to the west. But instead of saying it, saying Judea and Samaria, let's just call it the West Bank. And right in the very opening right here would be the city of Jerusalem, the very center of the earth. So we don't want to say Israel anymore. We want to say Palestine. Oh, we don't want to say Judea and Samaria anymore. We want to say the West Bank. Why? We want to keep it politically correct. Listen, we live in a day and age of political correctness. And it's getting so bad that baseball teams are now coming under pressure to change their names. Like the Cleveland Indians are now called the Cleveland Guardians. Now we're changing the names of food, whether it's Uncle Ben's or Aunt Jemima or whatever. Everybody wants to be politically correct today. Even the Washington Redskins, the NFL football team, they're not the Redskins anymore. What's next? They're going to probably tell you, brother, take that name Baptist off your church. It ain't going to happen, exactly, amen? Because that's who we are, independent, fundamental Baptist preaching from a King James Bible. And we make no apologies to anybody about that. And we're not going to change. Well, that book you preach is so archaic. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Jeremiah 6.16 says, stick with the old paths. Wherein is the good way? And you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus made that same phrase in Matthew 11.30. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. Why? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, no, today we want everything to change and stop preaching out of that so-called archaic book. 
Get with the times. Join the crowd. Stop calling this lifestyle a sin and stop calling that lifestyle a sin. Listen, if God calls it a sin, it's sin. I don't care what this government says. All because they legalize sin doesn't make it moral, doesn't make it right. God is very clear in his word. Is it going to get any better? No, preacher already said it. It's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. As the late Adrian Rogers once said, the world is growing gloriously dark. And it is. And it's going to get darker and darker and darker. But the darker it gets, the brighter it's becoming for you. Because that trumpet's going to sound, man. And our blessed hope's going to return. And Nancy, he's going to take us out of here. He's going to take us to the Father's house. And when we get to heaven, we will be there for... They're catching on. I love it. I love it. A day of political correctness. And that's another term I hate. The West Bank. The country west of the Jordan River. Not it's Judea and Samaria. Palestine, West Bank, fabricated, politically correct terms. It's Judea and Samaria, and it is Eretz Israel. It is the land of Israel. Judea, south of the state of Israel. Samaria, in the center part of the state of Israel. But today, the political powers to be will do anything, and I mean anything, to deny the biblical narrative, right? And try to erase all Jewish connection to the land of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why I preach out of a King James, brother. I make no apologies to anybody. I had a guy, we had the temerity one time. This was years back. Hey, brother, you know, it's the 21st century. Maybe you should start using a modern translation. Brother, you are barking up the wrong tree. I'm sticking with this book. I'm sticking with the King James Bible. When I think of that phrase, land of Israel... Israel, Israel alone, not land of Israel, but the word Israel alone is mentioned in your King James Bible in the Old Testament 2,228 times. That's just in the Old Testament, in the King James. In the New Testament, Israel is mentioned 73 times for a total of 2,000 301 times the word Israel is mentioned in the Word of God in the King James Bible. So we need to call the land what God calls it. I only find that word Palestine mentioned once in the Bible. Go to the next slide, please. Let's take a look at it. I find Palestine mentioned once. Spinning around, here we go. Joel, chapter 3, and verse number 4. Yay! And what have ye to do with me, O Tyre and Zidon? Well, that's modern-day Lebanon today. Zidon is, is north Lebanon. Tyre is southern Lebanon, where the terrorist group uh, Hezbollah is today. And all the coast of August, look what I find, Palestine. But it's, is that referring to the land itself or to just a certain area? Of the land. I think you know where I'm going with this. Will you render me a recompense 
And if he recompense me swiftly and speedily, will I return your recompense upon your own head? When it mentions Palestine in Joel 3, 4, and only one time in the Old Testament, it is referring to the ancient southwest coastline where the Philistines once dwelt. Off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. The Philistines, folks, and nobody else. Palestine is a reference to the Philistines. And who were the Philistines? The ancient foes of the people of Israel. And there were times where the Philistines cleaned Israel's clock. Even took the Ark of the Covenant, brother. Brought it back to where? Gaza. Oh, by the way, who occupies Gaza today? Another terrorist group known as Hamas, who said we will never recognize Israel's right to exist. Next slide, please. Who were the Philistines, by the way? They were not Arabs. You know who the Philistines were? Greeks. They were Greek sea people who came over from Greece after Greece fell. They came over from Greece. They settled off the Mediterranean coast in the south of what is Israel today, and they founded the five cities of the Philistines. Let's go to the next slide, please. What were these five cities? This is where, this is Palestine right here. This is the Philistines. Where they, what were the towns? Ekron, Gaza, Gath, Ashkelon, Ashdod. They left Greece, settled in the south of the country, and there was a border known as the Shephila, which was a buffer zone between the ancient Israelites to the uh, east and the Philistines to the west. And right in this very area, Dr. Todd Baker and I did a teaching uh, mentioned at a place in uh, 1 Samuel 17, the Valley of Elah. In this very area is where David fought who? A Philistine. You remember his name? Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. Go to my YouTube page. You can watch that teaching of Dr. Baker and I at the Valley of Elah where David fought Goliath. That's why you've got to go to Israel and see these things with your own eyes. They were not Arabs. They were Greeks, and those were their five cities mentioned right there in the Word of God. But we also find the word Philistia mentioned three times in the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 60, verse 8, Psalm 84, I'm sorry, Psalm 87, verse number 4, and Psalm 108, verse 9. When it mentions Philistia, who is it referring to? Philistia, Philistines. And when it mentions Palestine in Joel 3, 4, that is what it is referring to, not the land itself. That term, Palestine, has been hijacked today, ladies and gentlemen, hijacked by people who want to erase all Jewish connection to the land. Next slide, please. We're almost done. When Emperor Hadrian, the Roman emperor, crushed the final Jewish revolt against Rome in one 35 A.D., that guy banned all Jews from going to Jerusalem. Sick of these Jews. Sick of them rebelling against us, the mighty Roman Empire. Who do they think they are? 
That rebellion that happened between 66 and 70 AD culminated in the destruction of the Second Temple. And then another revolt by the Jews against Rome, 73 AD, resulted in the fall of Masada. Oh, I love taking my tour groups to Masada. Unbelievable place, right near the Dead Sea. And then 135 AD, Hadrian crushed that final Jewish revolt. He said, the sea, uh, Josephus said, the Sea of Galilee turned red like blood or into blood, because that was just a bloody battle. So he banned Jews from going to Jerusalem. He renamed the city of Jerusalem, Elia Capitolina, and then added an insult to injury. He put a temple to Jupiter on the Temple Mount. Right on the Temple Mount, the place where God's house once stood. He renamed uh, Israel, uh, Jerusalem, Elia Capitolina, in honor, of, in honor of the Roman god Jupiter, and he renamed the land of Israel Palestine. 135 AD. Now you know where it came from, ladies and gentlemen. He did that to honor Israel's ancient enemies, the Philistines. Next slide, please. Then, <laughs> I knew you reckon. <laughs> I knew you recognize this guy. Then in 1964, this guy comes on the scene. The late terrorist, Yasser Arafat, founded the PLO. You know what that is the abbreviation for? Thank you. Wow, this lady's on the ball here, man. <laughs> Palestinian Liberation Organization with the goal of driving the Jews into the sea and taking the land of Israel. But what's interesting about the PLO charter it makes no reference to a place called Palestine, and it makes no reference to a place called Jerusalem. But yet today, that belongs to us. And by the way, Jerusalem is not even mentioned in the Quran at all. 2,301 times it's mentioned in our King James Bible. Not once, Brother Tom, is Jerusalem mentioned in the Quran. And you want to talk about making yourself look silly? Their own Quran teaches that God gave the land to the Jewish people. Yeah, I quote a lot of scripture, but let me quote some Quran to you. How about Surah? Every chapter in the Quran is a Surah. How about Surah chapter 2, verse 47? How about Surah chapter 5, verse 21? How about Surah chapter 7, verses 137 and 138? How about Surah chapter 10, verse 93? How about Surah uh, chapter 17, verse 104? How about Surah chapter 33 and verse number 24? All says that God gave the land to the Jewish people. And not once is Jerusalem mentioned in the Quran. That tells me a whole lot right there. A whole lot right there. Their charter, the PLO, makes no reference to a place called Palestine or the city of Jerusalem for that matter. In closing, Ezekiel chapter 5 verse 5 tells us this. Jerusalem is in the center of the earth. A bridge between Europe, Asia, and Africa. Jerusalem is in the center of the earth. When Jesus Christ returns at the end of the tribulation period, he is coming back to the center of the earth. Amen? He's coming back to the holy city of Jerusalem.
when Jews pray toward Jerusalem, they could be here in Rhode Island. They could be in Connecticut. They could be in Washington, D.C. When a Jew prays, a Jew prays facing Jerusalem. And Jews in Jerusalem, when they pray, they pray facing the Temple Mount. They've been doing that for nearly 3,500 years. Daniel was in Babylon as a captive, right? Prayer was illegal at this time. But Daniel 6.10 tells us, what did he do? He opened his windows, got on his knees, and he prays facing Jerusalem. He prayed. You know what the Muslims do every Friday evening on the Temple Mount? They turn their backs on Jerusalem. And they pray toward the east. You know where they're praying toward the east? Mecca! Right, Tom? Mecca, the first holiest site in Islam. Followed by number two, Medina. And then coming in third place, Jerusalem. But to the Jew, Jerusalem is numero uno. It is number one. Amen? And when Jews pray, they pray facing Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they pray facing the Temple Mount. And when Jesus Christ comes back at his second coming, he is coming back to the city of Jerusalem to establish a kingdom for 1,000 years. Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5, Jerusalem, the very center of the earth. Ezekiel 5, 5, Jerusalem, the very center of the earth. Deuteronomy 32, 8 says the same thing. Jerusalem, the center of the earth. Next slide, please. Remember what Jesus said about Jerusalem? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 35. Again, looking at it in Hebrew, right to left. Now, mind you, Jews in Jerusalem spoke Hebrew. Jews in the Galilee spoke what language? Aramaic. Aramaic. If a Jew from the north in the Galilee went to Jerusalem for the three pilgrim feasts of Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, the Jews in Jerusalem knew he was from the Galilee. How did they know that? They had an accent. Remember when Peter was warming himself by the fire after Jesus' arrest? What did they say to Peter? You're from the Galilee. Your speech betrayeth thee. You have an accent. You're from the Galilee. You're one of his followers, aren't you? Jews in Jerusalem prayed in Hebrew because it's Jerusalem and the temple was there. But Jesus, what he said about Jerusalem in Matthew 5.35, Yerushalayim, Ur, Shel, Chamelech, Chagadol. Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Because one day the king of kings and the lord of lords will reign from that very city. You ever hear little Jewish kids sing about Jerusalem? One of my favorite songs in Israel is Jerusalem City of Gold. If you're on the Mount of Olives in the evening and that sun's going down, the city lights up like gold, man. And they made a song out of it. And they sing it in Hebrew. Yerushalayim shel zahav v'shelechoshev v'sheor halolikashiarik ani kinor Jerusalem, the city of gold. Let me be a violin unto all your songs. It's holy to the Jew. Means nothing to a fabricated people. Don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-Arab. Because when I go soul one in Israel, I just don't go to the Jews. I go to the Arabs too. Amen. I share the gospel with them too. Why? For God so loved the world. That includes the Arabs. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Yerushalayim, Ereshel HaMelech HaGadol in Hebrew. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, will rule in the theocratic kingdom in the city of Jerusalem for 1,000 years. Our theocracy will be restored in the future. We're not under that theocracy right now. What's a theocracy? God's ruling over his creation. That's a theocracy. In Genesis chapters 1 and 2, there was a theocracy. But when man fell... Theocracy was set aside, right? Now we're under a Satanocracy. Satan's the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. From Genesis 3 to Revelation 18, we are right now under a theocracy. But at Jesus' second coming, from Revelation 19 to Revelation 22, a theocracy will be restored. He will reign from the city of the great king, Matthew 5, 35, as the king of kings and lord of lords. In closing, world conditions in the present are set on the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Listen, we must stop being politically correct and be biblically correct in this day and age of political correctness. Last slide, please. Up next, the next main event on God's calendar of activities we call the rapture of the church. Jesus Christ shouts. The archangel shouts. The shofar. Everybody say shofar. Shofar. Shofar so good you're doing well. A shofar. A trumpet, Brother Tom asked me that earlier. The, the trumpet is a shofar, absolutely. Joshua chapter 6, verses 4, 5, 6, 8, 13. Five times it says the priest blew the trumpet of ram's horn. Ram's horn in Hebrew is shofar. This is not a ram's horn, though. This is a Yemenite shofar, a little bit longer. But we have ram's horns for sale. If you see me at the end of the service, we do have them available. But when that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise first. Brother Jim, Brother Robbie. My mom, Brother John, they're coming out for us. Then we which are alive and remain, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come up hither! And faster than you can blink to human eye. Bye-bye. We're out of here. Woohoo! Makes you want to practice your rapture takeoff, doesn't it? Amen. <laughs> Even you, Nancy, practice that rapture takeoff. <laughs> Jesus is coming again, but the question is, is he coming for you? Very briefly, I'm going to be dismissed. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and then we'll be dismissed. Christy's going to come up. If you're here right now and you're saying, August, I don't have the assurance of going to heaven when I die. I want to be ready. I don't want to be left behind at the rapture to go through this terrible seven-year period of tribulation you were talking about. And I don't want to die and go to hell for the rest of eternity. I need to settle that right now, August. Would you please pray for me that I would get saved? That somebody can show me from the Bible how I can know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that heaven will be my destination. If I'm talking to you and nobody's looking around, no one's looking to embarrass anybody,
But by slipping your hand up this morning, I should say this afternoon now, all you're telling me is this, August, pray for me. I need to get saved. Do we have anyone like that here this afternoon at East Bay Baptist Church? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? All right, I'll, I'll ask you this then. If you are saved, born again, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you know you're ready to go. Whether by death or by rapture, you know you're ready to go. If you're saved, may I see your hands as a testimony. And just keep them up for a second. August, I'm saved and I know it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Praise God. Pretty much almost, almost every hand up in here. Thank you. You can put those hands down. Chris is just going to play a brief song of invitation here. If this message ministered to your heart in any way, whether to pray for lost loved ones, pray for your own spiritual growth, or maybe God's calling you men to preach, or you women into some form of ministry here in the church, Sunday school teachers, whatever, I'll tell you, this man can use the help. If God is speaking to you about something, hey, these altars are open. Let the Lord speak to your heart today.